0: Horrific Network Entertainment. This is Jimmy. This is a rare Thursday horrific podcast for you. As getting back in the swing of things, uh, went to Florida, did Galactic Star Cruiser. That was an amazing trip. You're going to hear the podcasts. You can watch pretty much the entire playlist, video playlist of the trip. But You're going to hear the podcasts uh, coming out here uh, probably starting next week from that we did Universal and Epcot as well Um, so stay tuned for that but we are doing you know I I, on top of being gone for a week for that vacation uh, I also had Corona so I was in isolation so all he really got was that Campfire Chronicles that we recorded a while ago and that was it while I was sick. So now I'm coming out of it. I'm able to finally post some updates and do some more shows for you guys and get the content back into the normal swing of things as a summer vacation is definitely winding down. And during the you know, normal school year when we both are working pretty you know, full time, the hours kind of allow me to uh, post and do stuff from work so there is that and it gets more gets me back into a routine of putting the shows out on certain days or whatever but this horrific podcast is going to be a fun one ed neal and john dugan uh they are newbins and grandfather sawyer this was from a live show that i did uh, before going to florida um that was coming off a couple weeks after Sinister Creature Con, which none of those panels have made it onto the podcast. Not all the Halfway to Halloween panels have even made it onto this podcast, but you'll start to kind of see a high bread of all of it, I think, um, here in the coming weeks. So, yeah, other than that, man, the other real update that I have for you is like Haunt Season. We're going to be launching... The first and the majority of haunt season dates uh, on August 1st. And that is pretty much what I know. They just announced, officially announced the weekend getting his house. So that is pretty exciting. If you are a weekend fan, I think it'll be cool. And other than that... The uh, Jordan Peele experience on the West Coast opened up and that was looked very just kind of whatever it didn't look half as impressive uh, on film having not been there I know people say the same thing about Star Cruiser it doesn't look as good on film as it does in person to that I would say maybe you're right um, but that for a lot of talk was made about Jupiter's landing Coming to Hollywood, and uh, and I think it was more just on the bat- the basis that they transplanted that movie set versus it being like this staple attraction to the back lot. So, <clears throat> more time will tell on that one. I'm definitely more excited for the weekend getting the houses, the imagery, and a lot of his music videos are really cool. Um, than i am about the nope set coming to the back lot in la i will say that other than that man you know the the shirt which we'll talk about that was leaked it looks sure looks official um so that's happening uh pretty much all the speculation in orlando has been pretty much dead on a witch's house a bug house a chupacabra house a sequel to seeds of extinction all that seems to be coming. Dead Man's Wharf and winter, I cannot... and I think I'm more excited for that than anything. To do an Orlando winter house is something that I've always wanted to see done. Kind of got that with the Wanda, Wyandotte Estate um, way back in 20. Other than that man, I think that i uh, so excited to just have a lot more originality coming it seems like too orlando's hhn meanwhile la's seems to be like a best of hits low-key best of hits the overall theme for hhn 31 we're being told is uh halloween which is fitting um, obviously so we'll see that and yeah we'll see what else there is to see i haven't seen any movies i binge watched uh, resident evil on netflix i thought that show tell you one thing that show and that movie that came out i think it was last year both pretty good like i'm not mad at either one of those they got a lot of hate i thought that they were pretty unnecessarily hated on i thought that they that show on netflix uh, is being received a lot better than the uh show or the movie that came out but neither one of them were bad for what they were you know but uh yeah i hope that the Netflix Resident Evil gets a second season curious where they take those characters and other than that yeah original texas chainsaw massacre getting ready to celebrate 50 years next year, so the fact that I got to sit down with two of the stars and talk with uh, Grandpa and Nubbins, aka the Hitchhiker, was very cool, so enjoy this talk.
1: Well, we are going to uh, be kicking off a very special Q&A here, so y'all have some questions for our guests? I, see my heart. I hope so. Did it see your heart? It's Did it fall it, out of your butt? I don't on. know. What happened? It was a little scary, right? All right. Well, to help us uh, moderate tonight's I'd like to welcome to the stage, please give it up everybody, you've likely seen him most panels as soon as the CreatureCon, where you've heard him and his team at their podcasting channel, The Horrific Network, please welcome Jimmy Weenhold!
0: What's going on, everybody? Hey, how's it going my friend? What's going
1: on? Not much. Uh, so I am going to head down into the audience, because I think there will be some audience questions here. I'm going to let you introduce our guest of honor.
0: Definitely, definitely. How many people have been to Sinister Creature Con before? (laughs) Round of applause. How many have never been to Sinister Creature Con? What the hell is the matter with you? Uh, Super important question. What do you guys think happened to that truck driver at the end? You think he made it?
2: Yeah, he made it. it. it.
0: Well, we saw him dip dip out of, out of frame, but uh, you know, that pickup didn't seem like he was uh, very much eager to save him, did he? I'm going to
1: save that for another sequel mm-hmm. to Yeah, the truck
0: not the remake. So, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a super fun evening and it's about to get even more fun. Yes, let me welcome back to the stage. Mr. John Dugan and Mr. Ed
2: Neal, give them their hands. Let me hear it for you. Welcome to our surrogate training program. You can do all the your clothes and put them under this. Wait, that's
0: Friday. Don't hold on camera. Wow. A a
3: buck buck
4: buck. A Some buck. H2O. Yeah. <laughs> Put your head in. <laughs> Put your dick in. So <laughs> everybody, thanks. I hope you enjoyed the film. Give it up, to you guys. Come on. You <laughs> asked about the truck driver. He's still running. Yes. <laughs> no. I don't understand. He, he starts running, and they're yelling, Cut! Cut! He just kept going. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, he's
0: talking <laughs> about, about him. Like, Yeah, yeah. Somebody
4: go to Austin and bring him back.
0: <laughs> I've never seen someone get away drive slower. As she's pounding on the back window. I know. Leather faces, you know. Well, that's right part
4: there. of the deal. But, but they tried to work it out like the guy was like, I can't find the pedal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you guys, I know you and a lot of that cast have a, a theater background, and yeah. I am curious because before I got into film, I was also in theater. It's always interesting yeah, it to hear transitionally. What was it that kind of got you guys motivated? Was it Texas Chainsaw being approached to be in that film? What was the motivation for you guys to kind of transition from theater to film? To a film, I mean. Every every young
3: actor, you know, who's doing a lot of theater if he wants to do film because we think that's where the fucking money is. You know. I was doing a, a children's play for the summer in Chicago at the Zidman Theater called Teradiddle Tales, <laughs> We're in green and yellow party called Tights and dancing around telling folk tales and singing folk songs from around the world to children. And uh, two shows a day, six days a week, for like $275, you know. But in all fairness, my rent, my share of rent was like uh, uh, $55 or something. We had this huge apartment, there were five of us living there. And uh, and it was 1973. So, but um, but still, you know, you're talking about what, thirteen dollars of a show or some shit. I mean, uh, you know, we had Mondays off. We were dark on Mondays. <laughs> Remember that? Theaters dark. what? The lights don't work? No, we're not open. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so. I wanted to learn about film, and I, you know, hope to do film. I hope to do theater and film and everything, So so was my first feature. I have done some industrial commercials and, you know, a couple other things. And, uh, are you telling me to hurry up, Daniel? Because I ain't going to. Chairman <laughs> man is not here, so I have to carry on the tradition of talking way too much about shit nobody cares about. <laughs> Yeah, I say that out This is my life. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I jumped the chance. I wanted to learn all about it, and I spent a lot of time on location, on the set. When I wasn't working and just helping out, you know, uh, was doing the, the equipment and just picking up the slack wherever I could, and. Uh, to learn, I want to know all about the filmmaking process, so you know, that's what encouraged me, besides the fact that yeah, I wanted to go to Chester
0: for the summer <laughs> from Chicago. And what about you? What, about, what was your kind of journey? Well, I, 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 was, I was doing
4: Shakespeare, Henri, <laughs> wonderful, wonderful <laughs> stage productions where there was actual acting involved. Uh, Mostly, film work is just, you know, they film little snippets and they put it all together and you don't have a clue sometimes in the scene what you're doing, because they won't tell you. Um, <laughs> well, Oliver Stone casts me in JFK to be an FBI agent for the sole purpose of asking me questions about Chainsaw. That's so There were like 8,000 people, who act, real actors, who could have done the part, but he's looking down at the resume, of, Oh my God! Look at, that guy. Look at that guy. He turns to the casting director and he goes, "We'll find something for you." He goes, "Well, we're already cast." He goes, "We'll find him something." I want to talk about the funeral. You know the scene where that Carrie uh, is in the swing and she stands up and walks towards the house. <laughs> Oliver tells him, "Oh, well, I don't do that." It was, a, it was a simple crane job, right? they just lift the thing. I said, Mr. Stone, cranes are like fourteen hundred dollars a day and nine fifty for an operator. We had nine dollars and fifty cents, so we will hold the hill. I said, Well, I'll tell you, but you won't believe me. at okay. We got two roadies, large hulking men, and put one on either side of the swing that far off okay. camera. And when she stands up, they lift the whole thing up
2: and the
4: tally track goes underneath, and they put it back down. Oliver some was, bullshit. I said, I told you you wouldn't believe me. But I segwayed into voice work because I figured out very quickly that I could talk stupid and not have to go into politics. And <laughs> think I mean, they would pay. And so I, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. No. <laughs> I got all the devil you need. I got to work the house, mommy, Get your truck. I did 26 different voices in 106 episodes of Gotcha until I was so schizophrenic. Like there was, but it was good, though, because there was always someone to talk
2: to.
3: You 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 as you told me in the lobby, he's easily ad- people.
0: <laughs> you told me in the lobby ad, which you served, you were in Vietnam. So first, thank you very much for your service.
4: We came to raise the ship in Vietnam. We would like behind the hands of trees, and we hear them talking, and they would like take a shot at us, and I'd yell real loud. Hey!
1: Stop shooting me! You don't even know me!
4: And they would laugh, and then we would know what Bushes were on. <laughs> I, war, uh, war,
3: I don't know if you know about war, but it's real, stupid. <laughs> I got a 4F, I, I had a 4F because I got indicted by a grand jury for traffic and drugs. <laughs> so <laughs> best thing I ever did, man, <laughs> I didn't get trapped. <laughs>
4: <laughs> what, what he's referring to is, he said, how difficult was it to make that movie? And I said, well, I was in Vietnam, and, and I moved troops through triple canopy jungle easier than making this film. That's the short version. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Uh, making the film
3: was very, very... Uh, it wasn't an easy shoot. It was my first feature film shoot, and uh, until I did any other ones, I didn't realize they were all like that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and uh, Toby's methods were, well for instance, the, the, I might be getting off with a question one.
2: Huh? No, go ahead,
3: But that long, my last day there. Which is that? much was a, I don't know, 20, 32 hours or something, in costume or makeup, under the lights in a hundred-degree heat. You know. um, it took just forever to do that dinner party scene, and the way that Toby shot it was very unconventional. I know now. Because what's generally done is you do, when you've got a scene like that, is you do a couple masters. One from one side of the table of the whole scene, another from the other side of the table, maybe one from either end. And get that over with. And then when you go to uh, two shots, close ups, and over the shoulders, you just shoot little snippets. Well, for instance, when Ed had to do his close ups, instead of them just shooting him saving his lines a little bit at a time. So I have something to cut into. Toby made us do the whole fucking scene every time. When the camera is only on Ed, for instance. And it was cruel, you know. Well, it a wasted a whole lot of film, I reckon. But in retrospect, you know, it dawned on me a couple of years ago when I was watching the film you know, was an audience, how grueling that scene is, and how the tension, you know, and the editing is beautiful, actually. and the way the tension builds and builds and builds until uh, Marilyn, you know, Grandpa can't get her, and Marilyn breaks jumps out the window, and runs on and stuff. The tension in the room is so palpable. And it was really stress and tension between all of us. And I think, you know, if Toby was alive and I could ask him, except he hadn't, you know, he doesn't didn't talk to me about it. I think he was wearing us down until he got us to that point where he got what he wanted. And that was like cut that's a wrap, everybody, thank you very much. You know. Does that make any sense to you, No.
4: The
0: the rising tension in that scene like you mentioned kind of goes with the full movie it's his shot choices of close-ups and just the the center or the uh, the score rising with the tension throughout it really adds to it. And the first instance that that takes place, I think, is really when we see you, Ed, for the first time in the band, and you (laughs) you know, you're wigging out, but you keep looking at Franklin. By the way, I may be kind of like an asshole for saying this, but I kind of enjoyed watching Franklin get it. You know what I'm saying?
2: Okay.
3: And Paul Partain was the nicest guy i ever watched. Not,
4: not, not when we filmed.
3: He was a sweetheart. Well, right, I mean, not when
2: we
4: filmed. Well, I've not seen for him, so <laughs> he Sure. No, he was doing method acting. Every day he would come and stay in character the entire day and just pissed everyone off. It <laughs> worked. That to a couple of years later, of course, he's married a lovely woman and he was the nicest guy ever. And we went, who
2: are you? <laughs> we,
4: we, we had to be talking about whacking him on the set. I mean, like, he well, stole my raspberries and all kinds of really nefarious. The scene where they're at the van and Marilyn's trying to get the flashlight, Oh, that is in growing. real time. It was he was supposed to let her have it, but he didn't. He just couldn't. No, no, we're gonna tell it, tell it. And she finally just hauled off and knocked the shit out of him, and and Toby, Toby's on the other side of the camera talking to the producer. You want some? Hell no, Let them kill each other. Yeah, this, man, this, this, this a is good stuff. It's no. like Sally, Sally, Sally,
3: give me the keys, give me the keys. I'll go, I'll go with you, I'll go with you.
2: Go but with that's you. that I'll is in real you. time.
4: <laughs> all of her, her pounding on him is in real time. <laughs>
3: It's shot beautifully, it's all by the headlights of the van and everything, it's a marvelous scene. But part of the, I think, the character uh, fragment, if you knew Tim Hankel and his sense of humor and his genius as a writer, Tim Hankel is probably the first screenwriter ever to make the handicapped guy an unsympathetic character.
2: <laughs>
3: and Kimson was just fucking hysterical. He just cracked up. I mean, he tried not to, like, ruin takes or fright one because he was trying not to lie.
2: <laughs>
3: you know, and it's just a stroke of dark comedy genius, I think. That, you know, it never happened before.
0: Um. Going back to, go going back, go back, go back to the uh, <laughs> to the band, What was Toby's kind of like direction for you? Is your you and Mosley in two body language wise are very similar, especially the chase with you chasing her down the highway and then him yeah. in two chasing her up that hill the frantic movements.
3: It's (laughs) funny you should ask that question.
4: During the entire filming process, from beginning to end, Toby Hooper said one sentence to me. One. I was doing a combination of my schizophrenic nephew and the wonderful actor Strother Martin. What we got here is that he communicated that kind of halting thing that the wonderful actor Strother Martin did from Cool Man Luke*, And I was combining my character of my real life schizophrenic nephew with all the stuff that he does and Strother Martin. And the one sentence that Hooper said to me during the entire filming process was he took his little Clint Eastwood cigar out of his mouth and said, do some more of that Sterling Martin show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do some more of that Sterling Martin oh, yeah, well, well, show. That was it. No, 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 no. Cut to Director's Sport night in California at the Directors Guild, 10 years later. It's on camera. Oh, Mr. Hooper. how did you listen? Such a wonderful talk? Uh, of uh, performance by that the guy who play the HR Well, he was a young actor. Difficult to work with, had t- many times. What I was going for was a kind of milieu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is more that Dr. <laughs>
2: yeah, he also- My he... six
4: children at that point said, you can't kill him, they'll know it's you. <laughs>
2: And I thought, how
4: bizarre is this? Because I was going mean, to whack him, because he didn't even kept all the money in it. So I was going to whack him from Northside Houston, Texas. She's going to steal from me. <laughs> it's not good. Anyway, I was going to whack him, but my six children came to me as a group and said, they did an intervention. So you can't kill them. <laughs> you caught in public, they'll know what you did. Do. We're doing a show in Compton, and two black kids come and go, we're going to wow, go, we'll whack were <laughs> they were dead serious. And I was going, who is that? I said, no, no, don't whack them. Please. They'll know it's me. No, man, you feel like being, you know, Alaska or some shit. we really would kill them. I said, no,
3: please don't kill me. And you know what you were saying about what you said to the director's and all that stuff? You see, people started reading a lot of stuff into the film. Like it's an analogy of you know more this and that and blah 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 blah, blah, blah. which yeah, <laughs> it's just a crock of shit, you know. But once he saw the hype going on about this, how genius this film is, he started playing into it. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. to keep the hype
4: going, you <laughs> know. But the the dollar, dollar tracks. They did put the camera on the little dolly tracks and then the camera slides up and down the dolly tracks. They had a camera package that cost them like you know, a couple hundred bucks, because that's all they could afford. And so they had two pieces of dolly track. That's all they could afford.
2: Yeah, we had The have camera, is on the dolly track,
4: it goes to the end, which is about, you know, eight, like that, they can't go for it. It's the end of the dolly track. Cut to directors for Hollywood, California, 10 years later. Uh, the staccato movement, Mr. Hooper, that you used, uh, was, was brilliant. Uh, how did you achieve that? What I was going for? To... Yeah. yeah. two sets of Domi track. La la
0: fine. He, uh... Funny
3: stuff? He was a jerk. No. <laughs> no, really, if you want to hear, you know, so, the last time I saw him alive.
4: <laughs> My six children were yeah, darting. No. <laughs> <laughs> he
3: um he was at Warhammer Studios on the, and uh, which was the old uh, Warner Brothers lot, I think, and uh, in Burbank. And he was directing the miniseries Sailor's Lot. And my agent said, you got to go over. you got to get an appointment with Toby to talk to him. There's about three or four great roles for you in a single plot thing. Uh, so I set up an appointment with him. I come onto the lot. But I go into his office. And uh, his uh, assistant goes, Hi, uh, John. Um, he went to a lunch. We're probably coming back to the commissary. He'll be here in 10 minutes or something. So, you know, I thought they should have a seat. Well, in 20 minutes, he's not there. And she goes, I'm sorry, John, I don't know. He should be here shortly, like, so half an hour. He's not there. And uh, so about 20 minutes later, he's still not there. And she was embarrassed. You know, she's like, John, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened, so I'm like, fuck. And I'm walking the garden. The children are like devout Christians in here, are there? Either one. No, devout Christian children. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sometimes I crack myself up. <laughs> but um, so I leave, I'm walking back to my car, and there's fucking Toby I'm walking across the lot. And he has stopped, and he's talking to us. And so I walk up behind you. I walk up behind him and go, hey, Toby, and he turns around and goes, hey, John, and I said, we had a appointment. I one o'clock appointment. And He goes, oh, yeah, 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 sorry about that. Um, listen, John, I gave you some thought, and there's really nothing for you in this film, uh, in this series, and uh, except for a 50 dollars a day extra. And I didn't think you would gonna be a, you know, have a child, or they asked did you? And I said, no, totally, I wouldn't. <laughs> I walked off and never spoke to him. again. So then five years ago, I get hired on to do this film in L.A., and Tom Holland is directing it from uh, Child's Play and Bright uh, Night. Sure. And uh, I get the phone call from Tom Holland. And I'm like, Stacy's like, who's that? Tom, I'm says, what? I said, why would he be calling me? And she goes, maybe he got hired to direct that film. And I was like,
2: oh, 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 oh. You know?
3: So I call him back. And uh, he says, hey, John. Oh, I hear from Indiana. I have family in Indiana. And my shirt, blah, 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 blah. He goes, hey, John, can you, this is a very important role. And it was, it was a marvelous role. And uh, I could play a psycho pedophile. Fuck, it was a lot of fun, man. So much fun. I got to research pedophilia, you know, my wife was like, what search criteria did you use to look this up? I'm like, how can I be a pedophile? Was that,
2: you know? But,
3: um, so it goes, are you, are you up to this? Can you do this role? I said, yeah, Tom, I can do this role. I'm an experienced, educated actor, of course I can do this role. He goes, well, I didn't know anything about you. So I went over to Toby's house. He's a friend of mine. Uh, great. And I asked him, you know, how you were and, uh, as an actor. And he goes, well. Toby said well, I don't know. I only hired him because of his stature. Because I am so small.' I was like, fuck. And he, the thing is, he died before we rolled on that film. So it's like the last thing he did to me in his life was trying to get me shitcams for a really good fucking job. That's how much of a jerk he was. So if if I see bitter, perhaps it's because I have a little reason to be. A
0: little bit. The Sawyer family, especially in this one, is obviously the two of you, Gunner, and then Jim Sidell. Yeah. How was he when you're not filming? Because he was- Jim? Yeah.
4: Jim was the most wonderful man in the world. He was a brilliant stage actor, and I could do Jimmy as well as Jimmy. Well now, here he come. Yeah, he here, he, he. So one day we were all we were both very pissed off at Tony we'd done some heinous thing, and we said, For a change. And I said, "Jim, come here. Let's Wine Cooper up. Uh, we'll Loki, what are we gonna do it. I said, follow my lead, and we're gonna we had an actual rehearsal of a scene. We hardly ever had a rehearsal because you can't don't have the time to do it. But it was a scene we wanted to rehearse briefly. To. Okay, you two rehearse the scene. And we both turn to Hooper and go, okay. He goes, And so we start to sing. We all know you never an absolute idiot. Oh, don't call me that. You always call me that. Yeah, I'll call me that because that's what you are. You don't call me that. That's what you just <laughs> <laughs> knock it up. Hooper's like standing next to the producer and he goes,
2: what are they doing?
4: <laughs> and the producer goes, <laughs> they're messing with you, Toby. And he goes, cut that out. We both turn to Hooper at the same time and go, Oogie. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) He was a terrific guy.
3: He was a marvelous person. His wife Ruth was a marvelous person. And he had a daughter of my age who was a fucking date. man. I mean, I was 20 years old. He had a lot of testosterone. And uh, he saw me uh, looking at her. and he was a super nice guy but he saw me shepherd on his he was to do and he, he about <laughs> yes sir Mr. C.
0: <laughs> this movie is really a great example of the power of suggestion
4: and you know how many five dollar bets I've won I've won thousands of dollars oh, five dollar oh, bets yeah. they always it's a sucker bet they bet $5 that you see that meat hook go right to
3: her. No, you don't. The meat hook? The meat the hood. It doesn't yeah, go.
4: They lift her up and they cut her off. Do you see her reaction
3: to the meat hook? You don't see the meat yeah,
4: Can't put the meat Because that would involve CGI, which there was none in
3: 1974. Yeah, and then uh, what, what's the other side? Oh with oh, oh, was frank which your mind. you yeah, I mean, know. When Franklin gets killed, they say, Man, when he kills a guy in a wheelchair and he cuts him in half and all his guns fly out, I say, You never nope. see that. It's all shot from behind in silver You know, you don't you see some blood flying up off the saw into the gunner's uh, clothes or face and all stuff. You don't see him being, you know, there's
4: no bags of entrails, you know. Like. Yeah. So, yeah. so we're doing a thing in Hollywood with the Industrial Light and Magic crew, and they got all their jackets on and they're going, wait a minute, how'd you make a movie with no CGI? <laughs> I said, what would you
0: have? But, but
4: how'd you make a movie? <laughs> Well, they said jump out of the window, and we jumped out of the damn window. <laughs> bad news, runs on the second floor. <laughs>
0: I think that is a testament to what makes horror so special. And it's four words motherfucking practical effects.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you, with that comes
0: a shitload of work. And you guys are on a limited budget in the hottest of the hot Texas. I know that, uh, I I saw it on the, I read it on the internet, so God knows it has to be true. But the, uh, the power of suggestion which we talked about, there was an article that I read that he thought that you guys were gonna like walk away from this thing with like, a, 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 like a PG esque rating to give, yeah. to give wider distribution. Nope. And I mean, obviously, that got shut down real fast. But when you guys were on set, was he like really optimistic? Like, this thing is. No, they, he was consumed. They,
4: they, they, him and Hinkle and Danny Pearl, the, the cinematographer, would go and sit down in the dirt on the side of the road and go, Well, uh, we should put the camera. Where should you, with the camera? We we should put the camera somewhere. Okay. Danny, where should you, the camera? And we should put in front of me? Call. Oh. Oh, okay. No, they had the shot list. A shot list is what scenes you're going to shoot, written on the back of envelopes. For God's sake. Oh, you know, no.
3: And they and he never and the thing is that, and Danny Daniel Pearl was the one who insisted. You know, because it was just. So unorganized and, and Daniel told me this in Long Beach a few years ago when we were together. He said, you know, about the second day or something, because I need a shop list, you know, we can speed this thing up a little bit. Here's the envelope. and so they sat down, they made a shop list, and next for the next day. And Toby of course it out the window immediately. He just started, you know, waiting at so and it was frustrating for Daniel, you know, but man, the film would not have done anything if it wasn't for.
4: Actually, Daniel Danny Pearl was, was the second cinematographer. Because remember what happened to the first one? No. <laughs> he left.
2: He left.
4: Let's get one. We need to get a guy that doesn't do that.
3: <laughs> no, what the, I don't recall. No, he Lockwood. Was, huh? Lockwood.
4: They fired him. Who? Luckwood.
3: No, I wasn't there yet. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, you were
4: no, already there. Yeah, it looked great. No. <laughs> wow. You guys,
0: if you have a question, Rob, can you raise your hand? Hey. If, if you guys have a question in uh, the order, of
1: course it has got to be way in that row, Jesus. All right. I'm getting
4: ready for
0: that. <laughs> I won't try I'm
4: Hi there. What's your name? First name. It's in the mail. Yeah. Uh, For both of you, Uh, after the real growing shoot. I'm sorry. Can you talk louder? Yeah. um, The growing shoot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, sort of
0: legend that he put up with and all the torture. Um, for both of you. What is the
2: easiest film production you've ever been on?
0: That maybe it was just so
4: uh, luxurious or well crafted that you. The self, it was just, what, was the, what was the easiest film shoot we ever had?
2: Yeah.
3: That was my aunt and auntie at Bar Mitzville. <laughs> 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 Shit. Um... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably a thought quality, uh... What was the name of it? What's that one we were on in Tennessee? I'll never forget what's his name. The the, the one we were on in Tennessee. Ben Gibson's
4: Oh my God. That wasn't easy.
3: No, it wasn't. Never
4: mind.
3: (laughs) (laughs) No, it wasn't. But I got to ride horse. That's why I liked it. I got to wear a a Civil War costume and ride a horse. So I was like a fucking young actor, heaven. Even though I was 50 50, years old was over, over at that time, but, you know, every young actor wants to be in a, a you know, ride a horse in a
2: movie, <laughs> you know?
4: no, no, seriously, the easiest thing I ever shot was a Disney film called My Boyfriend's Back, because on a, a $12 million film, uh, that actually only cost them $4, 000, 4 million, but that's a long story about how they do films. Uh, they have guys who take care of guys who take care of guys who see to it that guys are doing what guys are doing. it is so easy on a film like that because they bring you in, they sit you down, they shoot you for two minutes, they take you back, they sit you down, they bring you back, sit, you know, so it's like, okay, I'll do my three lines, and now I'll eat some Doritos. And so on a film like yeah, that, it, it, is, distance, it is very easy different to different film, unless you're, doing, unless you're doing an action scene, which we didn't. So an 8 film like that, it gets very easy to to just kind of hang out and do your 8 lines a day and then, you know, eat $400 worth of snacks, you know.
3: Chainsaw 3D, for me, was easy, you know, not only worked on it for two days, but, um... Excuse me. Um... For one thing, I air conditioned a trailer, or, I don't know, a hunting wagon, a part of the trailer, and, uh my own bathroom and a uh, uh, makeup table and all that shit, you know. And you know, so I would just go and they'd call me and then they, I'd hop in a van and they'd take me to the house and let me out, and, you know. uh, And it paid quite well, and it paid on time. So, I guess it was an issue.
4: But you always hope that you're going to work with, like, really great actors who do great things because they pull you along with them and it's so much easier for your job. And I, I always wanted to work with great people. I, I wanted to work with Christopher Walken. Oh my gosh, the wonderful. And my friend said, oh, I just did a film with him. I said, "Really? he was in it. I said, well, tell me about it. What did he do, what did he do? He said, well, uh, they called lunch and we were doing a seaside uh, scene and Mr. Walken got up and he walks down to the edge of the water. And everybody was sitting at the table just starting to eat their sandwiches. And Mr. Watkins took all of his clothes off and folded them neatly and put them on the edge of the beach and walked into the water. And they all went, what's walking? I don't know. He walked into the water up to here and turned around and the water was like this. 30 minutes go by. They call lunch. We're back, which means lunch is over. He walks out of the water. They come and towel him all up. He's putting his clothes on. He turns to the entire cast and says, for lunch, I was an
2: alligator. <laughs> <laughs>
4: you pray, you pray please, that you will be part of that
0: something. Rob, you got somebody else out there? I Sure do. Hi there, what's your name? Hey, I'm Eric. Uh, Gunner said that everybody hated for a couple decades after the movie. You guys mentioned that you didn't really like Peter on or on shot. Uh, was that true or?
4: Well, I think the Terminal flashings had a lot to do with that. <laughs> oh, wait, oh,
3: wait. Oh, what, what was the idea i missed that started hear
4: See, somebody said that we all hated Gunnar. That's not true.
3: Oh no, God no, he was a close friend of mine.
4: Oh yeah, he was a, he was a, he was so he was a big teddy bear. He was a very nice man. Do you know that his IQ was like 148 or something? He wrote books on, do you even know what an estuary is? I did, I had to look it up. He wrote books about the estuaries of Maine. He was writing a poetry magazine when they cast him. He was,
3: really? Yeah, he was an incredibly intelligent man and very, uh, very good uh, writer. He, he was an excellent man. And a marvelous sailor, you know. He, he wrote a books about sailing. And he cruised on many big uh, sailboats on the North Atlantic coast, you know. Because he was a fucking Viking, you know. <laughs> well he was from Iceland, you know. And uh
4: He was actually a very good looking man. He, uh, he and was. They, he remember was. when Toby came to him and said he was trying to take his mask off the 107 degrees. He wanted to take his mask off so he could breathe and they, there were these people with cameras trying to get a photograph of him with this beautiful Nordic Icelandic face in contrast with the mask. And he, they paid him like an extra $100, which was a fortune in those days, to keep the mask on so nobody could get a picture of him without the mask.
3: The, uh, I couldn't take my makeup off. It was not a mask, it, it was a white dress but it was it put on in sections and glued down to my face it, you know my entire head really with the spirit pump. and uh but gunners was a mask and he could take it off but they would not let him take it off unless unless the setup was going to take uh more than 15
4: minutes they would hide in the trailer nobody can see. and uh but the setup it never took it fifteen
3: minutes. So Ergo, he never got to take his mask off, you know. So he and I were suffering uh, terribly, you know, but um so no, we never hated. No, we never hated. And uh, you know, I <laughs> the last time the three of us worked together was in Connecticut at a convention. We were doing this and I could I had a wonderful time spending any time with Gunnar, and he, for one thing, he thought it was really funny. I could make him laugh, you know. And uh, we were doing this uh, breakfast with face thing or something. Do you remember that thing? Kind of, you no, know, You know?
2: What? The old <laughs> you know, in every shot
3: but this guy had asked you know about how, how what made it different than
2: i hope you have
4: enough for everyone
3: <laughs> uh what made our film different from other you know the slasher films of the 70s that came after it and i said well there's no blood and guts there's very little blood and guts and it's all suggested and there's no T there's no titties, no I said the you know, I said my character grandpa has the closest thing to sex that any character in the film. is. Yeah. And this kid goes sitting in the farmer says, Oh <laughs> He goes, Oh you mean like in grandpa's lifting up the hammer and then bringing it down, lifting it up and bringing it down. <laughs> and you know, I was talking about sucking on a beautiful girl's finger. <laughs> but you know, whatever never blows her skirt up, daddy is. And Gutter started laughing and could not stop. <laughs> And the rest of the weekend, whenever things would be slow, he'd look at me and just start laughing. I would say, What? He'd go, you Well, you're a closer, you're a grown-up, Daniel. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he was diagnosed uh, the following week with pancreatic cancer and, and passed shortly after that. Rob, we got another one out there? You got it. I'm getting to wrap up science. I'm sorry to those that I didn't get to this. This the last question. So, what's your name and question? Uh, my name is Manny. Uh, my buddies and I watched Leatherface uh, Chainsaw Massacre in the '90s hundreds of times. We quoted, memorized the lines, and die laughing. I'm sitting here chuckling to my wife. Did you guys <laughs> ever find the one-liners funny during the making or years later? Like cost of electricity? you know, you. Look what your brother did, did to the door. Did you oh, see? I remember when I came up with that line. Did one. you see
4: the scene where? Marilyn runs by the little house, makes an excellent turn right through the little gate thing, and runs into the house. Gunnar is chasing her. He weighs three hundred and forty pounds. He can't stop. He goes by the gate and
2: has to come back. <laughs>
4: it's in the film. John and I are over behind the camera going,
2: "Whoop!" <laughs> Cut that out! He <laughs> couldn't stop. Well, you don't
3: he, think that's funny? You he wearing cowboy boots that actually had lifts on, them. so they were larger than, they, than taller than they actually needed to be to make them even bigger. He was referred to as a Keystone Cop's turn. <laughs> and the uh, look what butcher brother did to the door, I remember when that you know. He, uh, Kim just shot that there, you know. Right, you know, when the trip out was coming up, he goes, "We don't want to try to get pissed off about the door." <laughs> <laughs> and so Jim just goes, wait, for it." He goes, look right not quite here, brother. Get to let <laughs> go." <laughs> yeah, I loved. I loved walked all the uh, weird. Profanity is like, shut up, you bitch hog. I mean, you never heard the, never heard the term bitch hog.
4: Like, <laughs> you, you don't live down where I live. Huh? The funniest scene in the whole movie, if you were on set that day, I mean, we had to be restrained and gags had to go in mouths. The guy at the gas station sitting there staring at the sky Was a friend of Marilyn Burns, And so they. she said, can you, Toby, can you put my friend in the scene, just anything? He said, well, okay, well, I him sit in the chair and he had this mop bucket full of real soap and water. And C.D.L. walks over to talk to the people in the van and he follows him and takes this two-foot piece of ta- old towel ta- and slaps it on the windshield, and the whole windshield that the is supposed to be looking through is inundated with soap. So and it, and it, so, they, and you can see it in the film, they start laughing inside the van, because they're like, what's up Who's it's this it's guy? They didn't even know who it was. It's See, now I back, the guys look back with them. They say something to Mr. C. he goes back, and the guy comes back with him and does it again. And <laughs> <laughs> Jill, it was like we were, we had to leave the set because we we're like, whoos,
3: whoos. Yeah, so, the second time, we're
4: going to film it.
3: the second time, Alan actually turned the windshield wipers on and totally splattered Jim C. with this filthy, filthy water. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: I can't film. So He's wheel, <laughs> <laughs> he was, I think that That yeah, so wasn't it. scripted oh,
3: yeah. Did he sell newspapers on a corner and get Houston or something too? Like that? Who, oh, that guy?
4: Yeah No, he had a lot of money Oh, really?
0: Cool. Yes, he did well, He paid for
4: apartment.
0: Well, you guys, I can okay. talk to you guys all okay. day about this movie In yeah, my cat uh, And <laughs> <laughs> But my God, it is a masterpiece as evidence tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Love Horror Events, give it up one more time for John
2: Newman. Thank you.
3: One year is $637 dollars on it one year later, to take it years later, I can come and do this, it's just mind-boggling to me, and it's all because of, because of all of you, and I mean, thank you so much. Thank you so much, thank you, John Duggan, thank
1: you Jimmy. tuning to Thank you all for coming out here tonight. I know it's uh, crazy COVID times right now, but appreciate you being here and supporting the local arts and local scenes. We'll see you back here in a couple weeks for GLOW, the Cabaret. Our guest, by the way, will be in the lobby, continuing to uh, do uh, autographs good and uh, selfies and all that stuff.
2: So if you want to hit the lobby
1: and oh. say hello, if you getting any questions, oh. ask questions. Yeah, I'm Rob Roberts. Thanks good for having
2: me. Good night, everybody.
1: Woo! Good
0: job, man. Uh-huh. So, there you go, man. Like I said, I hope you enjoyed everything that we were able to uh, do with that event. I thought that that talk was uh, very cool. So, I hope you enjoyed my talk with uh, John and Ed about. The original Texas Chainsaw Massacre and uh, their roles in it other than that um, we like I said we're on the verge of announcing a whole lot of haunt season content the virtual haunts I actually started putting together some of them uh, just the other day just so we can get them all out on time and in a timely manner um, those are going to be forthcoming and it is coming closer than you think 58 days i'm looking at my calendar from us being at hhn 31 which means it's less than that it's closer to 30 from the event actually uh starting which is crazy to think that yes halloween season is well haunt season especially is here uh Mickey's very not-so-scary starts mid-August. So, like, we're way close to the end. Anyway, man, stay tuned. Thank you very much for listening. We'll have more regular content on our regular schedule starting next week. Stay spooky, everyone.